It is Thursday, September 14th. I'm Scott Sadden. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Thursday Night Football kicks off week two tonight. And another pitcher done for the year. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Week two kicks off tonight with the Eagles and the Vikings. Max Scherzer done for the rest of the season. What does it mean? for the AL West race. And I think we uh, we know what the Vegas lead is going to be. When we've got the NFL, that is usually the lead. Uh, let's take a look at this matchup of two playoff teams, two d- division winners from last year. Seemingly, uh, on paper, you'd think this is a really good matchup. Vegas doesn't seem to think so, as the, uh, the, the Vikings, pretty big dogs here against the Eagles. Yeah, and I took the Eagles in one of my survivor pools. Just so you know. Now, this is a not a traditional survivor pool. It's one where you can pick the same team, and it goes by some point spreads and things like that. But uh, I do think the Eagles get themselves a home victory tonight. I didn't like what I saw from the Vikings in week one against the Tampa Bay Bucks. I know the Eagles are, have some injuries to deal with tonight. Kenneth Gainwell is out running back, so I expect to see a heavy dosage of DeAndre Swift who they traded for this offseason. They're also going to be without James Bradbury in the secondary. So uh, I am curious. Also Reed Blankenship, also N'Kobe Dean. Yep. uh, Maybe Fletcher Cox. Like, it's starting to pile up, particularly Mm -hmm. on the defensive side. You mentioned Gainwell, and they've got other backs. Boston Scott, DeAndre Swift. uh, Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny was inactive. (laughs) They've got guys to fill that role. Defensively, though, you start. You take four guys, four starters mm-hmm. off of the defense. There's no way that defense can be the same. I agree, and I worry about how they're going to guard Justin Jefferson tonight. Because if you're without Bradbury on one side, you know Darius Slay can do can only do so much, right? If the Vikings were smart, and we know Kevin O'Connell does his things offensively, they're going to move. You know, J.J. around, they're, they're going to utilize Jordan Addison, and it's going to put a lot of pressure on whether it's Avante Maddox, whether it's uh, Josh Joby. I, I think the secondary for the Eagles is going to have to come up big tonight. Yeah, so somebody's going to have to step up. Uh, there, there's going to have to be some kind of a, a way for them to, to handle not just Jefferson, mm-hmm. but also the ancillary pieces around him, whether it's going to be Addison or, or Hawkinson, whoever it's going to be. Like you, you, it's going to be harder to double team Jefferson given the injury yes. situation. When you're missing a starting corner and you're missing a starting safety, it, it makes double t- doubling somebody a lot harder. Here to help us break down Thursday night football is the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, Mr. Steve Fezzik. Good morning, Fez. How are you, Scott? I'm good. Let's talk Thursday night football. The Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Minnesota Vikings. And I already know you're very anti-Vikings based on last year. And you were against them in week one. And it worked out as Baker Mayfield apparently learned all the signals (laughs) that the Vikings were doing defensively. It's the Eagles home opener. And and I got to be honest, Philadelphia didn't exactly look like world beaters last week. Do you expect a different outcome or a different performance level from both teams tonight? Well, I think the Eagles are certainly down, and that was a phony win against New England. Maybe they should have won, but they should not have covered. But I think if there was one theme last year, 
there were two teams everyone knew that had good records that were massively overrated, the Giants and the Vikings. And the betters got it right. It just took them a year. You know, mm. it's like you look at – you fast forward to this year, and I think it's pretty clear both those teams have a good chances to finish with losing records. What's curious, though, about this game, it's an exact repeat of last year where the Vikings, you know, went early in the year, Thursday night game, and could do nothing against the Eagles. But the Eagles are more down this year. Um, and we're staring at an 0-1 Minnesota against a 1-0 and you've got trends on that, that the, the backing the 0-1 team historically has been the way to go, correct? Yes, backing the 0-1 team is uh, very profitable. If you um, go back since 2012, the 0-1 teams are 58.5% against the spread against the 1-0 teams. Yes, but but you had all week. I, I, it's funny. I'm saying you had all week. You had two days to take plus seven, and now it's down to six and a half and six. And so all of a sudden— you know, this game's going to land on seven almost 5% of the time. So because of that, I know you're grading against the closer, mm-hmm. but there's an example where, you know what, if plus six really truly is a good bet, then plus seven was would be a great bet. Well, I mean, I, I think the move in this particular game and the reason why it came off the seven was the injury news for the Eagles who are going to be without Kenneth Gainwell, without James Bradbury, without Reed Blankenship. So they've got a bunch of injuries popping up. The guys who were maybe questionable who have been ruled out – so I'll say though the Gainwell loss is that's that means nothing because DeAndre Swift was non-existent in Week One and I don't know if that was by design from Nick Sirianni because remember they traded for him on draft day they traded for DeAndre Swift to be their starting running back and they went with Kenneth Gainwell as the lead back in Week One I think that now I think Nick Sirianni is kind of playing he's maybe he's trying to outsmart everybody and it's going to be a mixed bag I think we're going to see a big performance from DeAndre Swift tonight but don't you think that Kenneth Gainwell if 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 DeAndre Swift was better than him then he would have been on the field Kenneth Gainwell instead of Kenneth Gainwell leading the team in carries they didn't have to do they, they, the, the 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 Patriots weren't a threat last week I know they scored late and had a two-point conversion which made it a five-point game but the Eagles were comfortably ahead most of the game. I don't think the Eagles were comfortable at all in the second half. I, I, I thought that their offense looked like it died on the vine. It was, I, six, I, it was 16-7. I guess the, the Patriots scored with, what, seconds left in the first half mm-hmm. to make it a 16-14 game, and then it was 22-14 to 14 in the fourth they, quarter. They were comfortable in terms of fourth quarter. Or 25 In terms of fourth yeah. quarter win share. The Eagles were comfortable, but I agree under, with AJ. There's under five minutes left. They're up by multiple. They're up by two scores. But I agree. I think. I think I saw like they went three and out like four times, and like they went three and out more in that game than they did all of last year, which mm. is you know certainly um, of it. It is certainly a concern. And, and AJ brings up a good point that all things being equal, if you've got three injuries that are worth you know a point, then the line has to come down from seven to six. So you know maybe may, you know maybe that's absolutely valid. You know one thing I. I chased injuries one year in the NFL, mm-hmm. and I never had much luck with it at all. You know, in terms of, um, it seems like the injuries on Friday. You know, when you finally you get the final practice reports, seem to be more valuable than early in the week when you're just guessing and so many guys mm-hmm. are questionable and the like. Um, but you know, Kirk Cousins in prime time, you know, pregame has done that research, and that is that is not a subset I want to be drawing into. You know, trying to invest, especially if I'm not getting that seven. So I'll be on the sideline. All right. Well, that's Thursday Night Football. Let me bring up a game that's coming up on Sunday. Jets-Cowboys, the Week 2 matchup in Dallas. The Cowboys didn't have to do much against the Giants because their defense scored two touchdowns early, and the game was over before it even started. The Jets, obviously, without Aaron Rodgers. This line has moved from around the field goal with Aaron Rodgers to then 7.5 
post-Aaron Rodgers news, but then a jump, Fez, from 7.5 to 9.5. Why? What changed since Aaron Rodgers was feared to be out for the season versus when it was confirmed that he was out for the season? All right, well, he was definitely confirmed to be out for week two. Yes. All right, so that so nothing changed there. Uh, and the line was three and a half, not three. I, mean, I understand there were threes, but before Aaron Rodgers got hurt, that line had moved to three and a half. So that's what the number was on Dallas. Well, and because Dallas looked so impressive on Sunday and the Jets didn't play it on Monday. So, yes. Yes. I'm talking uh, about just preseason line. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, so what happened to the three and a half to nine and a half? So I said, well, the Jets, five-point downgrade for Aaron Rodgers. I've got him a plus one. And Wilson a minus four. Difference is five points. All right. But Jets played very well. So I'm going to upgrade the Jets. The rest of them. By a point. Mm -hmm. And the net is four. So we go from three and a half up to seven and a half. Which is what it was. Yes. So so that seemed proper. Now I think what's happening is people are taking a look at this and saying, oh, this spot is really, really bad. Monday night team, off an overtime game, upset win, and then have to go on the road. And they're pricing that and saying, boy, we need to price that. And it's worth like a point. And you know what? Eight and nine are such dead numbers. It's almost like people are saying, all right, if I'm willing to lay seven and a half, I never would do this in a college basketball game. But in an NFL game, if I'm willing to lay seven and a half or eight, I can lay nine. And if I'm if I can lay nine, I can lay nine and a half. But it does seem like as soon as it hits ten, it's a bridge too far completely. Because you know, ten's a big point. Do you know what I number. think this is, Fez? I think this is the book protecting themselves against teasers, pricing that, themselves up so that the six point teaser doesn't get you below the field goal. Yeah, and and some books will even deal with the, the teaser protection line where they'll just even if a line seven and a half, they just go ahead and say, Yeah, hey, you can have minus nine, you know, plus one oh five. But when you say that now with books charging minus one thirty for teasers, that it's almost advantageous now for the book to to give out teasers. Yes, Unless they're but, charging more and they're requiring you to play a seven point teaser. There huh? there are there are still books that let you play the minus 120. I'm glad you brought up the teasers because you're, you're not going to win laying more than 120. So, I mean, the totals in the NFL used to be in the low 40s, high 30s, and you could play a six-point NFL teaser at even money. And the books got beat by the pros, but they didn't get annihilated. They got beat up pretty bad. And then the books went to minus 110, and the books, again, didn't get annihilated, but they got beat. And now they're at minus 120, and they're barely hanging on. So the, the, the pro the pro betters, I mean, you can't even just blindly play all of them, but you're probably going to be fine playing the Wong teasers, you know, teasing through the three and seven, but you're not going to get rich doing that anymore. And as soon as it gets above minus 120, even minus 125, it's just a bridge too far. I, I won't personally play a teaser above minus $1.20 at, at, at a six-pointer, seven-pointer. That's different because now you're right. capturing more important numbers. So what do you think the appropriate number is for the, the Jets-Cowboys game? Uh, nine seems right to me. Okay. so you, Shocker. Uh, I think the current number is roughly correct. So unless it gets to 10, you don't see any value either way? Yeah, but it's I got to say it's 7.5. Like, I don't want any part of the Jets. They're going to get killed. They, you know, they, just, they, they just won their Super Bowl. And, and for all the guys out there, the, the number one thing I heard discussed was, you guys discussed this. So how do you re react to my text? I'm, I'm just like hitting you over the head with a shovel here, Scott. <laughs> how do you react when I like I, I lambasted your poor Jets? Uh, you said they're donezo, no playoffs. I don't think that's necessarily accurate. I, I think that they're clearly an underdog to make the playoffs, but I still think this team can win nine games. You're, they already won one. You're delusional. They the, already won one the that Jets, they shouldn't have won. Week three. The Jets are at home against, against the Patriots. The yes. worst team in their division. Oh, no. 
Second worst team okay. in the division. They're the worst team, and they're an underdog. They're a home underdog. And if they win that game? Against the Patriots. And if they win that game? If they win that game, then they're going to win, you know, two or three games in division instead of one or two. You know, it's, it, it's it, it, I mean, they're just. But if I told you after four weeks, looking at the Jets' schedule, even with Aaron Rodgers, and I said, Bill's at home, you're an underdog. Who cares? Cowboys, you're they an underdog. They just picked up half a win. Patriots, you're Slow a down. Pump the brakes. They just picked up. They're supposed to win. Uh, the, I, I know where you're going. They were supposed to be 2 They're going to exceed weeks. expectations after four weeks. Who cares? It's like saying it's like saying I've got Chris Moneymaker, or worse, playing in the main in the main event, and you're saying, we're four hours in, and he's like well ahead of schedule than what, than, than what, what, what Phil Ivey would be. We have, he's still got to play six and a half days. Who cares if he if he doubled up? He still is like you know doubled up is extreme. But who cares that he picks up you know thirty percent chip chips? I mean he's still a massive underdog to um, to be anywhere close to what a world class player is going to be. What would it's you too said? long a season? So what's your win total at right now? All right, so the Jets were supposed to win nine and a half. They pick up 0.6 of a win. They're supposed to win ten point one. We dial it back by two point three, so that gets us to seven point seven. But but good news. They could trade for Kirk Cousins. They could trade for somebody else. So that number seems light because if Wilson does stink, by week four you may have you know Gardner Minshew or someone under center, which would mean if they could get a, a guy like that, it probably should be like eight and a half because the defense and the special teams are so good. You know, that reminds me why you, you just mentioned Kirk Cousins and obviously Minnesota playing tonight. When you look at the Minnesota game and they lose to Tampa, but they dominate the stats – is it wasn't it kind of the opposite of every game that Minnesota won last year? They like this was them losing. What goes a game. around comes around. This was them losing a game they should have won. Sure. When last year they were winning games that they should have lost. By the way, they they lost this game, and it goes back to my. I, I firmly believe the job of the on, on when someone's attempting a field goal, the job of the defense is to attempt to jump off sides, um, hurdle the guy in the middle so they get flagged for an unsportsman, like whatever that mm-hmm, penalty mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. Or to rough the kicker. You know, that's their job. To try to accomplish one of those three things. Now, I get it that Dallas did block the giant kick and run it back. But that happens so much less than the penalty on the defense, which gifts points to the offense left and right. If I was the coach, I would never put a kick block on. I would tell my guys, you're not allowed to go past the line of scrimmage unless I tell you to. You know, just... Get your tallest, strongest guys in the middle, putting their hands up. Especially early in a game. Like, obviously, if it's your last-ditch last, last ditch effort, you do right. it. Nope, but. nope. I still don't do it because it's even worse <laughs> on the last – because all the time I see a guy hook a 38-yard field goal and then the kicker gets obliterated or there's an offsides. And then you see this all the time. Teams win because they get to try twice. You never see a team lose. The kicker could donk, donk it off the, the, the upright, but you never see blocked field goals on the final play of the game. You know, it just doesn't happen. I'm surprised. I know the Jets, they won the game in overtime, but they didn't use their final timeout right before the game-tying field goal at the end when he uh, went off, it off the upright. I don't know why, the they, I don't know, I don't know why they, they do that because I was a kicker. I'd say, great, you know, let me not be rushed. Let me. But, but also we see kickers overreact to the first kick, especially if they miss the first kick, right? And so let's say they call the timeout and the kick ends up the same way and he doinks off the upright. Maybe now he overcompensates and pushes it to the right. Yeah, he pushes it to the right. By the way, they say if you watch a game closely enough, you'll see something, I've mentioned this before, that you've never seen your entire life. Mm -hmm. Like I saw a throw to home hit the rosin bag on the pitcher's (laughs) mound and just bounced up in the air. Um, I've seen plenty of balls hit off uprights and I've seen plenty of balls, double even double doinks. I've never seen a ball, a field goal kick, hit off the flag 
and then the upright. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, is it possible, very unlikely, that the flat, hitting the flag first could cause an incremental you know, millimeter difference in the angle of incidence such that the kick would be good or bad? Probably not, but I did think it was interesting. It's possible, right? There's a different, a little buffer there. Probably only a double doink. It would have to be <laughs> like that. It would have to be so close that it would make like an inch difference yeah. on where the ball wound up. I still yeah. think that ball goes through the uprights, and it's a, it's <laughs> yeah, a good kick. Of course. It's a good kick. It's Thursday morning here on Straight Out of Vegas, and that means it's time for a Fezzik focus. Last week, we talked about mistakes that betters make. And this week, I want to talk about mistakes that betters do while watching games. Explain that further, please. Well, by nature, they watch too many games. All right. Now, this is going to be controversial because watching the games undoubtedly is much more helpful than going to see a movie. All right. Yes, I, w- <laughs> I would agree with that. Watching games gives you a core of knowledge that most certainly assists you. I'm going to use an analogy. Watching games is like playing a lot of golf and being in the golf management business, all right? <laughs> it absolutely will benefit you to have played all the courses in town and to know all the, the the jargon and the lingo and the like. And ideally, you played golf for 20 years, and then you quit golf and you run a golf course and you no longer golf no more. That would be the ideal circumstance where you're an expert at golf and all aspects of it and all the courses, but you're not effing around playing golf all the time. That's the problem. People who love sports, they're, um, they're, you've seen those videos where guys say, you know, where they, where they show the X and the Y axis, and they're like, make money effing around, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I get it. While you're watching a game, live betting, it really helps to actually watch that game and live bet. But my experience has been people that love sports, that's their number one link. They'll never make any money. Because, oh, the British Open's on. I can't miss the British Open. And, the, and like, they got to watch. They got to get up at, you know, whatever. It's 5 a.m. and watch the British Open. And then, oh, here comes Little League Baseball. Got to watch that. And got it. Stop effing around. Treat it like a business. It's like you should have your screen in front of you. You should be constantly looking at the screen. So the best evidence I can give of this, Henry, when I was working with him at Pinnacle, like a hawk. He would have a conversation with me. His eyes were—he wasn't watching the New Mexico, New Mexico State game. He was watching the screen and what's going on. And he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's going on with that Eagle game? It's down from seven to six and a half. What, what's what's going on?" And he would constantly be watching. That was his primary TV, the betting screen, and what's going on, and inquiring. What is going on with that? And then this other stuff is going to help you win. Watching the game. Well, once you inquire what's going on, I mean, you have to watch the game to figure it out. No. No, you text the hitman. What's going on with that game? Get your experts. <laughs> but someone's watching the game to tell you no, what happened. No, you see, you he, see I, I he's dis- watching Twitter. He's watching I, Twitter I dis- and injuries and I everything. I disagree because I, I, I always tell people context matters. And it's one thing to read a box score and find out what happened in a game. It's another thing to actually watch the play. You watch Daniel Jones throw a pick six, and you're like, he threw a pick six against the Cowboys. But, but then you watch the play, and you watch the ball go through Saquon Barkley's hands, or better yet, Patrick Mahomes threw a pick six that cost him the game. But if you watch the game, you see that ball go right through Kadarius Tony's hands on a ball that should be caught 90% of the time, if not more. I agree. 100, Context matters. I agree 100%. So stop effing around and spending two hours and 48 minutes watching a football game and get your NFL rewind and spend your 36 minutes. And that, I agree, we can have a conversation. That's that being good usage of your time. Now you can't live bet because the game's over. <laughs> but you get that you could still watch Tony dropping all these balls, and obviously his receivers are terrible. And I agree 100. percent And I'm torn here because I do think that's a very effective usage of it's a, it is good usage of my time. 
but I don't know if it's if it's enough of a good usage versus other ways of making money. I can just I can tell you, the guys that are making real good money at this. I and I'll throw out Bill Crackman for instance, my friend. He can't name a player. He doesn't mm-hmm. know what continent these teams, you know, reside in. He can't name the nickname for the Kansas City team, but he does great with his betting. And I'm just and people are like, oh, he'd make so much more money if he was watching the games. No, because while he's watching the games, he'd be, he'd miss the six texts that came come in from the different various people he's networking with, and who's out, and the injury updates, and everything else. And I'm just saying, everyone, if you're a gambler and you've been watching all the games and you haven't been winning. Go cold turkey. I don't want you to watch any games. I don't want you to watch the screen nonstop. I want you to get your odd screen up, get a free odd screen, pregame.com, and constantly just be refreshing. And the second you see a game go hot that you like already, oh, they're hitting La Tech minus three. I like that La Tech already. And it, and it, it goes up to four. And you can play it a stale book and lay three. It is very difficult to not turn a profit doing nothing but, but doing exactly what I'm describing. But you know what? It's no fun. It's a J-O-B. It's W-O-R-K. Whereas watching the games, I got my my friend, poor poor Steve's going to get mad at me. Steve W. lives in Vegas, and he tells his wife, oh, i got to go work. And then he goes off to, I hope she's not listening to the pod. And then I'll, I'll see him, and he's live betting, but he's got one app open, and he's drinking a beer in Green Valley or somewhere else. He's having fun. Don't have fun. I mean, you can, you can have fun, but recognize that um, the bottom line is if, if 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 you haven't been winning and people say they want to win, they don't want to win. They want to have fun. That's that's my experience. Look no further than Survivor versus Millions. There's like a 20% overlay. I'm not that high. Like 15% overlay in Millions. And they pay quarterly prizes and they have all this stuff. And no, everyone wants to F around. And I'll use that line from Rounders. Like Remember when Kanish says to, 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 to him, no, I, I gave you the blueprint for how to build your bankroll. No, you're always effing around, dreaming about the World Series of Poker. Got to go out to Vegas, buy in for you know 25% of my bankroll for the $10,000 main event. It's like instead of just grinding and playing a game that's beatable and growing your bankroll. And my, my number one experience, and I, I, have, I, I, I try to teach people to work with me and win. You know what? The people that know nothing about sports are challenged because they can't even grade their tickets. They don't know if it was Arizona or Arizona State that won. <laughs> so that's a, you know that's that's horrible. But the people that bet all the time, oh, it's 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 like blackjack. Also, I can't I can't get the people who've been playing blackjack for ten years. I can't convince them. Don't tip your dealer fifty dollars an hour when you're you're supposed to make sixty four dollars an hour. It's going to be really hard to make money, you know, given those circumstances. By the way, AJ, the secret to that is only play with dealers you hate. Oh, okay. So if the dealer is like does things you don't like, then you're getting bad service from the dealer. Beautiful. Now you don't have to tip. So like the dealer's like, oh, you should be playing the jackpot. And yeah, guess why she's saying that? Because she gets a cut when when, mm. you, hit, when you hit the jackpot. I I decide how I feel about my dealer based on whether I'm winning or not. That mm. that's 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 the good way to do it. <laughs> if if, uh. if a dealer underpays me on a blackjack, or the dealer gives me bad advice, like if, if I hit my my thirteen against a three and I bust when the count's negative, and then she chastises me, she has a better chance of getting a tip. Uh, well, I can't I can't even describe who would have a lesser chance. You know, when she second guesses a play that I make. By the so, way, no way. It's not a pipe dream. I sat down with the best, and I won. <laughs> <laughs> Should have played those kings, Mike. Um, so, bottom line. I got line, child support. The, alimony. The, My kids eat. <laughs> the bottom line is, yes, if you're live wagering, you can target a select game. But you should have, like, all your apps open. And you should be, like, and, and, and then it will work. Just sitting back and watching the game while you're not live betting it is an extremely inefficient usage of your time. But if you're a content provider and you need to comment on all these games, 
it's kind of an easy way to, like, you'll know everyone wants to talk, like, Jets game. Everybody's going to want to talk about the Jets game, and you're going to be, like, inadequately prepared the next day if you don't watch it. That's why I don't care. Like, like fire me. I'm not a content provider. I give winners to my clients. That's what's important. And if I, can't, if I, you know, I don't know who the OC or the DC is on some teams, I don't know the player names. You know what? As I've gone on and done this more and more, I don't care. The, the time needs to be spent on winning, and that's what the primary focus is. All right, let's talk about buying points. And you hear it all the time now, and I hear, I've heard people now saying, as long as they're 10 cents a half point, buy as many, buy as many half points as you want. Like, what are your thoughts overall on buying points? So I heard a guy that I respect greatly, and I know he's a winning better. But it's it, part of the problem is like poker. You get to be a winning better, you get sloppy. And he said something that drove me crazy. And I just wanted to talk about not buying half points, but getting the half points. So there's an NFL game this week. I don't even remember which one. I think it was the Jet game, though. And the line was 9.5. And, and he said, oh, I bet 9.5. And, and the um, he was being interviewed on air. And the interviewer said, "Why would you, I'm curious, why would you play 9.5? Shouldn't you hold out for 10? Asymmetric risk. Who cares if it goes to 9? Nine? 9's so dead, you could just bet plus 9. Mm-hmm. And he paused, and they said, well, I, I actually bought it to plus 10, lay a dollar 20, which is no big mistake comparing 9.5 to 10. But it is a big mistake in terms of betting because if 9.5, lay 10 is a little bit better than 10 minus 20, it's, it's about the same. Call it the same. It's still a big mistake because it's, it's back to asymmetric risk. You know, plus 10, lay a dollar 10. I can prove this. It's better than plus 10, lay a dollar 20. Why not hold out for that plus 10, lay, lay a dollar 10? It's just good basic betting principles. So think about this. If you could just find a way to get an extra half point. I think, AJ, do you like, I think you like, can, 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 can I give out the game? You like, you like a team minus nine? I like a team minus nine and a half. Okay. And there was a nine. So immediately I went and grabbed nine. Now nine's a bad example because it's such a dead number. Oh, are you talking about college football? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, LSU. Let's assume it was a college foot. Let's assume it was a college basketball game. And you liked you know, minus nine and a half, and it was painted nine and a half, and there was a nine, okay? What's my bet sizing on this? Well, now it's, everything changes. It's worth like eight cents on a basketball game to get an extra half point. It's, and people are like, well, it's not going to come into play hardly at all. Bullshit. It's like saving eight cents, all right? That's the way you should approach it. It's like I can lay, I'm laying minus 110 when the, when the screen is painted the same number on every game. I'm laying a dollar ten. If one book gives me an extra half point, I'm laying a dollar two. It's like I'm, it's like I'm yeah. buying a half point for free. So that's like if, if minus nine lay a dollar ten is like playing minus nine half lay a dollar two. Well, if I'm laying a dollar two, I probably am going to win because if I have any handicapping acumen and I hit fifty point four percent or fifty point three percent, I think it is. I, I I turn to the positive. So think of it in those terms. Whenever you you like a game and you can get an extra half point by hook or by crook. You're essentially almost playing VIG free, so it's going to be very difficult not to win if you can get a half point extra on every one of the plays through VIG or shopping, which isn't always possible. Now, how do you how do you balance that with giving plays to your clients? Like, obviously, you want to give them plays that are widely available. How do you balance that the value of that with giving them winning plays? It is very rare that I give out a three star max bet on a spread that is painted the same number everywhere. I am um, maniacally am watching. I'll use an example. So this week I gave out two plays to my clients. Um, I gave out uh, Tennessee plus three and a half Monday mm-hmm. when, when three and a halfs were available. I felt the line was going to go three. It did go to three. I don't like talking about the games I get right on my line moves. And this week I went ahead and gave out um, the Chicago Bears plus three. And frankly, I like the Bears plus three, and it was painted three. I said, oh, wait. 
be cool. Parlor cards have come out. I'll get three and a half on the Bears. I'm going to be cool. And then the second I saw plus three, lay a dollar 15, pop up at a few major books, most places still at three, I said, the word's out. Now it's time. The Union boys, you know, they're talking. They, Blue Horseshoe loves the Bears. And if I wait and I go to sleep one more night, it's going to be two and a half. So why not us to grab the gobble up the plus three? Someone else is going to do it anyways. And so I went ahead and, 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 and bet it and gave it out to the clients. So there's, you know, essentially when you are only playing against a split line or a line that's not painted the same everywhere, immediately you're reducing the vig on that game. What else is on your mind this morning, Fez? Um, bookmakers versus betters. You know, I see a lot of bookmakers and betters that are chummy and, and mm-hmm. friends and the like in town. It, it's difficult for me because, like, my, my whole background is, like, you know, people hate me when I'm playing blackjack. You know, they're tossing <laughs> me out. They're like, they don't want to give me any comps. They did like, they're like, put up with me begrudgingly. It's fine. Um, and I get the po- I get the poker rooms being friendly with the poker players because they're not. At- There's no reason to be adversarial. The poker players, the 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 poker rooms are making money off. It. They're raking off those games, so they're making money from all the players. But when I see like like everybody I know that bets for a living for for a lot of years. They're hated. You know, all the bookmakers dis- despise them. They're, and it could well be because of the circles they run in. These guys are trying to pick your pocket. They're trying to find when you put a dumb number up and an off number and getting down as much as possible. But that's just the nature of the game. So whenever I see, like, really good friends that are, like, betters with bookmakers, I, you know, I question it. Now, the one exception to the rule I will say is that Circa is very open, like, to if you win – and you're and you're betting against us. They'll shake your hands, you know, and comp you a meal. Not at the highest comp rate, as they're suckers, but you know, they'll, they'll, they're the exception to the rule because they take really big limits. But the vast majority of bookmakers, you're going to get your app limits slashed, or you're going to be told not to bet on the app, or you're going to be told to bet once a day, and then you get pissed, and then you send in the army of, of friends in against them to annihilate them, and just you can see how the thing is like a rolling snowball going downhill, where both sides get. Angrier and angrier at the other side until you get to a point where, like at the South Point, where Chris Andrews says F Fezzik and, and Steve Fezzik says F Chris Andrews. You know, he thinks he, he, he thinks that that's a smart move for him to, you know, have me not play. And, hey, you, you, can, you can apologize. You can still play. But he said to me, but you, I, I, I told him, I said, no, nah, I just lay three and take three and a half later in the week. And you'd get mad. And he's like, yeah, you, you can't do that, Steve. And you know what? At some point, you just say, F that. I'll do whatever the F I want with my, with my friends if you're going to put these stupid dinosaur, you know, bookmaker rules that no one who's under age 30 in, at Sharp Books would ever agree with. You know, it, it, just go retire. If, if that's your philosophy of, oh, a guy bets both sides of a game, you know, th- later in the week, that guy's trying to pull something over on me. You know what? I'll send this out to the casino owners. Get a new sportsbook manager. Your guy is like in the dark ages. So when it comes to betters versus bookmakers, you don't like the friendships there. But what about betters with other betters? Because I see a lack of friendships between sports betters. When in reality, isn't the sports betting landscape more closely related to blackjack than it is poker? And what I mean by that is you're not playing against the other betters, aren't you? Aren't we all playing against the dealer? No. You are playing against the other better because we're racing because we're racing to get the numbers. Exactly right. So, but you know, isn't that still us against the books? No, it's me against Brad Powers when it comes to college football openers at circa at 11 a.m. or 10 a.m. on Sunday. Now, when Brad's doing his college football and I'm doing my NFL, 
and I'm sending him who I'm playing in NFL, and he's mm-hmm. sending me what he's playing in college. Now we're working together, and we're filling in the holes and the gaps, and everything's great. But when we're going and we're both betting, there's only we're only going to get one limit bet. You know, so we really. But that's at Circa. Why can't you chase it down somewhere else? Why can't he chase it down somewhere else? Well, because Circa's the opener, and like whatever happens at Circa is going to go to every other book. I'm not going to get Oklahoma minus 13 and a half. I'm going to get Oklahoma minus 15 and a half against SMU. And then when they win by 14, I'll say, oh, huh, lost 4,200 on that transaction, not being the one that got to the minus 13 and a half first. And, and believe me, it happens all the time. So, you know, that, you know, that's a. And so you hit a point where. As soon as like one of us tells another, hey, you know this this, this the Virginia's quarterback, you know what he, he he's healthy again. You know that's that, that's a Byantine, that's a hypothetical. Then all of a sudden, as soon as I put that out, now I'm beefing up my competition and I'm hurting myself because they're more likely to go ahead and play those plays. And you know, and I'll say it like on my college on my write ups. I'm the wrong guy to get right. Don't buy me if you want to get write ups and learn how to get and learn how to. Um, find you know, buy on and buy against teams. The last thing I want to do is tell you Loyola Chicago is undervalued. They got these two seniors in the backcourt that played together for four years and you really should be backing them. And then they go on a 14 and one run, but, uh, and, and go into the final four of the college basketball tournament. But you know what? That was a, a well-kept secret that people weren't really talking about very much when Loyola was the 11 seed, but that's an example. All it takes is for the word to spread around and everyone to start putting that in their write-ups. And now Loyola is laying eight instead of six in their games. And the, you know, the value is dissipated. Well, thanks, Fez. Uh, good luck tonight. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained. And it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin. You know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ. It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. 
And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Some good and some bad for the Texas Rangers last night. Do you want the good news? They've won their fifth straight game. And they still trail the Astros by one game in the West. But, hey, five straight wins. Things are turning around. The bad news, Max Scherzer won't be pitching for you for the rest of the season. Yeah, this is a pretty devastating blow. And, I mean, I guess we shouldn't be shocked. Max Scherzer's hurt. What? I can't believe it. Mm. Um, But Max Scherzer gave the Rangers a sort of an element that made them scary if you had to see them in a wild card. Yeah, you know, it's the like, element that you thought they had when Jacob DeGrom was going to pitch for them this season. Yeah, so, it, I mean, whoever the ace is, it seems like they just can't keep him on the field long enough to get to these playoffs. So now, it, it, while the Rangers are clearly in a battle to make the playoffs, it's it feels like their ceiling is lowered significantly because the idea that Scherzer was going to pitch game one of a playoff series made you think, wow, that's, mm-hmm. that's a, a great deal for them. Now, without him, it's hard to imagine this team, even if they get to the playoffs, doing much with that opportunity. Yeah, he's got a uh, muscle in his upper arm that is going to cause him to miss the rest of the season. It's not going to require surgery, but he is going to be shut down. It's the terrace major muscle. You know all about that, right? It connects the scapula to the humerus. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows all about that. So no surgery. Could have been the Terra Minor. That would have been a disaster. No surgery is the positive sign. And I guess the positive sign is, hey, they're not out of this thing. They've won five straight games. They're actually playing good baseball, but they don't catch a break. They actually did catch a break with the Astros losing the first two of the series to the A's. But yesterday, the Astros fall just shy of a combined no-hitter. They beat the A's. They finally remembered they were playing the A's. Yes, they beat the A's 6-2. to two, Oakland scoring two runs in the top of the ninth inning off of Ryan Presley. Boy, if you're Ryan Presley and you're looking at what Brown, Montero, Neris, Abreu did before you, where it's like eight no-hit innings, and then you come in for the ninth, and not only do they get a hit against you, but they score two runs? Yeah, not good. And now it's like, wow, you let everyone down. Way to go. <laughs> but the important thing for the Astros. It's a is, W. It's a W, yes. It's a W that they needed. They remain one game up on the Rangers in the West and a game and a half still up on the Mariners, who also are coming off of a win. So they beat the Angels 3-2. Uh, to two. So that's the latest in the race for the American League West. Elsewhere across Major League Baseball, Blake Snell doing his best to lock up the National League Cy Young Award. He came in. He's in a race with Justin Steele of the Cubs right now and facing the Dodgers. Maybe you thought Steele was going to be able to pull ahead if Snell had a bad outing. Quite the opposite. Blake Snell goes six shutout innings, striking out eight, allowing just one hit as the Padres beat the Dodgers 6-1. Starting to seem like Blake Snell's your Cy Young winner. Starting to seem that way. Latest odds up on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Blake Snell minus 350. To win the National League Cy Young Award. Yeah, that's that's a big number. Yeah, uh, it seems like it's a foregone conclusion. Uh, Speaking of Cy Youngs, well, Sandy Alcantara has a sprained right UCL 
That's according Jeez, to the MRI man. that he received. And he's he's been on the 15-day IL since September 6th. He had discomfort during his last outing on September 3rd. And he did play catch for the first time yesterday. But I don't know what his status is going to be. And you're talking about a Marlins team here that is in the midst of a playoff push. They are a half game out of the third wild card in the National League. Yeah, it's hard to uh, it's hard to see them making up much more room without their best pitcher. Yeah, well, what do you think the cause is for all these arm injuries with pitchers? Like, what's what's happening in Major League Baseball? Is it the because like, you know what pitchers are going to say? Well, the pitch clock is forcing us to work too fast, and it's caused. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it actually is, but it just seems like a built-in excuse, right? Sure, I, I did. I do think, at least, I thought so over the past couple of years was that the the way that we baby pitchers now, we don't allow them to build up their arms, so that when they push themselves a little too much, they don't have the strength, and then they break down. But the reality is, it's probably what has more so to do with just the the physical nature of it. Pitchers are stronger now. They're throwing harder than ever. They're they're putting more spin on the ball, which is adding a little more stress to the arms yep. with these break-in pitches and cutters and things like that. And, and it's just it's an unnatural thing to do. It certainly to throw is. a baseball that hard. But I'll tell you, I think some of it is the way that they work, the workload they put on some of these pitchers. And I know it sounds crazy, but like you said, Cy Young wasn't throwing 99 miles an hour, so mm-hmm. he could pitch every third day, and, and he was fine. Uh, these guys were putting so much torque, so much, uh, so much fatigue on their arm, and then being asked to pitch all these innings, and particularly make big jumps in innings. Alec Manoa is a good example. Someone was saying, what's wrong with Alec Manoa? What happened to him? And if you look year by year, mm-hmm. how like how quickly they they uh, upped his workload from almost nothing to like all the innings, it's like well, you hit no wonder. You, you take a young arm and you do that to him, yeah, it, it goes pretty quick. So it's a it's a good way to burn out arms. Uh, but I mean, obviously he hasn't dealt with a major injury, but most guys probably will if you if you try and put that much on them at a time. Yeah, I remember what was the old uh, the Verducci rules, right? Um, Tom Verducci, the baseball writer, had the rules for pitchers as far as, um, you know, how many innings you throw and then you increase the innings. And, yep. and, and if you have – if you're 25 or younger but you've had a 30-inning jump, it's going to lead to injuries and things like that. So that was definitely a long-time conversation across Major League Baseball. That's why the people who were like – Paul Skeens should come up to the big leagues this mm-hmm. year. You're crazy. Like, <laughs> like, why? Do you think maybe we should go to the Japanese model of pitching these guys once a week? Uh, I, I don't know about that, and I, I'm sure pitchers don't want that. Mm-hmm. Pitchers like routine. And they like making money. They like making money. And if you pitch once a week, you're not worth as much money. And if you've got to carry seven starters instead of five, you can't pay anybody as much money. So, no, I, I don't think that's the answer, but I do think – you know, it, it, there, there's got to be a way that you build these guys up a little better mm-hmm. than they have. Well, let's take a look at the schedule for today. Got some day games across Major League Baseball, including a doubleheader in Boston. But let's start with the Nationals at the Pirates. Uh, John Gray going for Josiah Gray, excuse me, going for the Nationals. And it's going to be Mitch Keller. For Pittsburgh, the Pirates are minus 160. Uh, Pittsburgh has won the last two games. They dropped the opener of this series. They're looking to close it out and take three of four from the Nets. The Reds are at the Tigers. Reese Olsen going for Detroit. Derek Law going for the Reds. Detroit minus 110. We have a doubleheader, as I mentioned, in Boston at Fenway Park. Tanner Houck scheduled to go against Michael King for the Yankees in the opener. But again, 
with these double headers. List your pitcher. Yes, we don't know exactly what these teams are going to do. We can only say what's scheduled right now. Game one scheduled, Tanner Houck, Michael King with Boston minus 120. Game two scheduled, Clark Schmidt against Undecided. But again, Schmidt was supposed to pitch yesterday, so maybe he goes game one. We'll see. What happens in this matchup? Yuri Perez is going to start for the Marlins at Milwaukee against the Brewers. Adrian Hauser going for the Brew Crew. Miami's minus 120. Diamondbacks at the Mets. Merrill Kelly for Arizona. Kode Senga for the Mets. The Mets are minus 120. Rangers at the Blue Jays. Nathan Yavaldi for Texas. Kevin Gosman for Toronto. Toronto's minus 160. Now, the last time we saw Nathan Yavaldi pitch, um, it was good compared to the time before that when it was bad. Still hasn't built up the strength, though, to go for a longer period of time. We saw his first start, which was against Houston. First start, I mean, off the IL, right, without no no rehab starts. Nope. And he got rocked, right, four runs in an in inning and a third. In his second outing against Oakland, he goes two and a third, throws 47 pitches. Don't know how long he's going to go in this one today. Kevin Gosman on the mound for Toronto. The Blue Jays minus 160. Rays are at the Orioles. Aaron Savale goes for Tampa. Kyle Bradish for Baltimore. The Orioles are minus 140. Twins at the White Sox. Kenta Maeda for Minnesota. And it's Jose Urena for the uh, White Sox. Minnesota's minus 190. And the Giants are at the Rockies. Logan Webb for San Francisco. And Chase Anderson goes for Colorado. San Francisco, your highest favorite of the night. Minus 260. Make sure you guys are heading to pregame.com, taking advantage of a variety of discounted packages we have available for you with NFL Week 2 kicking off tonight. No better time to take advantage of the discounts we are offering using our promo code UPSET15. UPSET15 is going to get you $15 off at pregame.com. You can use that $15 and put it towards a daily best bet package. Most daily best bets priced at $25 or less, so take $15 off using the promo code UPSET15. 15 or use that $15 to get a discount off of any uh, weekender package, seven-day all-access, anything at pregame.com you want to use that $15 towards, go right ahead. Upset 15, going to get you $15 to spend at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman and Steve Fezzik, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.